Clear is a faster way into Capital One Arena. Download the free Clear app to beat the crowds on game day. Enter through the Clear Lane at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. The first win of the preseason. The Capitals take down Detroit. 2023 second round pick Andrew Crystal joins us postgame and what it's like to ride along with DC Fire EMS. I got to do that recently. I'll tell you what I saw, what it was like, and why first responders need our help. Good morning, everybody. Today is Friday, September 29th. Welcome to Caps This Morning here on Caps Radio 24-7, presented by Clear, the faster way into Capital One Arena. The veterans had the goals, two rookie forwards impressed, and the Capitals took down the Detroit Red Wings last night at 7th and F by a 4-3 final. Nick Backstrom, Tom Wilson, Rasmus Sandin, and John Carlson provided the goals. Ivan Maroshnichenko and Connor McMichael, they looked like they belonged as well. Maroshnichenko had two assists, and Michael, a couple of strong scoring chances. Charlie Lindgren went all the way in getting the win, stopping 26 of 29, and a second-round pick in this year's NHL draft, forward Andrew Crystal. He made his preseason debut last night, and he earned an assist. I chatted with him after the game on what it was like playing in his first NHL game, and his longtime friend and number one overall pick, Connor Bedard, who also made his NHL debut last night for Chicago. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us. This was your NHL preseason debut tonight. How'd it go for you? How'd you feel going down that tunnel for the first time? Yeah, it was a pretty crazy experience for me to, you know, be able to do that. And, you know, I had so much fun out there kind of playing hockey again. It's been a long summer, so to do it like this is, is pretty cool. And, you know, I had a great time. To be able to come away with the win tonight and the way that this team did, uh, you look around tonight and go, hey, Alex Ovechkin and I are playing in the same game. I never with an enemy on the other side. Does that ever hit you at all? Yeah, uh, I think I kind of stepped back in the third period and I was looking at the other team and I was like, wow, like I'm, I'm playing the Detroit Red Wings right now. And you know, I used to watch you know Capitals and then the Red Wings on TV all the time. So you know, it was nice to kind of step back and you know what was happening it was pretty cool. This is a really neat night for you for another reason. Your childhood friend Connor Bedard is playing his first NHL preseason game on the same night that you did. You're going to touch base with him later? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I got an apple, so if he doesn't get any points, then I kind of have some bragging <laughs> rights maybe to chirp him a little bit. But, no, it's, it's pretty awesome. And, yeah, I'll definitely touch base with him after and, you know, see how it went. Andrew, it's great to get the first one in the books. We really appreciate you spending some time with us here, and good luck the rest of camp. We'll be watching. Yeah, thank you. The Capitals now 1-0-1 on the preseason. Caps now head to Detroit to play tomorrow night at Little Caesars Arena. Late last month, I did a show here about my brother Scott, who died in a plane crash in February while working as a first responder pilot of a medical transport plane. Following his death, I wanted to find a way to learn more and support first responders locally as a tribute to his life and who he was. With the help of MSE Foundation, who worked extensively with Garnet Hathaway these last few seasons and his work with first responders, I was put in touch with Amy Morrow, the executive director of the D.C. Fire EMS Foundation. Amy works tirelessly in the support of D.C.'s Bravest, and she arranged for me to spend an afternoon in a D.C. firehouse to see up close 
what a day in the life is like there. I mean, really up close. If you could imagine it, I went out on calls on a fire truck when calls came in. You may never get the chance to do that yourself, but hopefully what you hear now will make you feel like you were there with me and appreciate the dangers our first responders face every day. This is Engine 26. It's located on Rhode Island Avenue between 13th and 14th Streets in Northeast. It's not a big building, just two doors across the front attached to a small building set back from the road. But inside, I found and talked to some of the men and women that helped make up DC's bravest. It's a family atmosphere here at Engine 26, a family brought together from various backgrounds and united by a common cause to protect those who live in Northeast D.C. Engine 26. Ambulance 26. Respond from the difficulty breathing. South Dakota Avenue Northeast. Irving Street Northeast to 26 Street Northeast. I came here because I wanted to learn more about what it was like to be a D.C. firefighter and first responder and what a typical day is like. And the people that I met were incredibly gracious with their time to tell me about it. Adam Ellick is a firefighter and paramedic at Engine 26. He says it's been a big adjustment, but it comes with a family atmosphere. I've been here for about two years now. I've been out of the academy for two years, and it was definitely a process being this is my first fire job. So I've never been in that fire department culture where you are being a part of a new family while also being the new guy, while also being involved in the medical calls and being the paramedic i'm in charge of the medical calls so it gets weird from that dynamic from being the new guy everything kind of falls downhill type of thing to all right now what's the call you got to make it and then you get back to the firehouse and it's right back to all right so we got to make sure that the cleaning's done help out with the cooking make sure that apparatuses are clean so it's definitely been an interesting process it's like a second home really you have a job to do, but you also have a lot that needs to get done around the firehouse in between calls. But Adam says the support that he's gotten from his fellow firefighters and first responders has made him feel very fortunate. I couldn't have gotten a better firehouse because just everyone is very helpful and everyone brings their own unique ability and talents to the table. Sierra DeLeon is a technician at Engine 26. She's been there for nearly five years. And she also says there's a lot of housekeeping in between calls. It's a strange dynamic because it's a workplace, yes, but it's also where we live. So it's where we do all of the things, including like showering, eating, cooking, cleaning, all the things. But also we're working intermittently throughout the day. So while there's never really a typical day in the firehouse, there is a rhythm and routine to everything. We come here in the mornings and you do all the basic things that you do. Then we're out running calls. So I could come in and first thing there could be a call and we're out out the door running. Or I could come in, it could be a few hours and I have time to get myself ready, check in with everybody, make sure everyone's where they're supposed to be, doing what they're supposed to be. In a firehouse, you can go from relatively quiet to all hands on deck in an instant when a call comes in. And sure enough, after a couple of chats in the firehouse, one does come in. It's go time. There's a fire alarm going off nearby, and we're climbing on the truck to go check it out. My adrenaline's pumping, sirens on, and we are moving. On the way to the scene, 
I sat with Lieutenant Brian Cowell. Not a fire alarm. It could be anything from, you know, some kids pulled the pool station to somebody burnt some food on the stove to you could have a legitimate, you know, an act of fire. I mean, there's a lot of emotion in that. It could sure. be nothing or it could be a whole lot. Sure. You don't know until you get there. Right. That's correct. No one on the truck knows what's coming next. False alarm, a full-blown fire, something else. It's never the same call twice for D.C.'s bravest. As we pulled up to the scene, another engine company has arrived ahead of us and seems to have the situation under control. So what was the end results as we pulled up here? So the engine company that we ran with is a closer location, so they got here before we did. And... It wasn't an emergency, whatever the outcome. They don't tell us. They just placed us in service over the radio. So they either reset the alarm or it was not an emergency. And placed in service means? That we're available now for another response. This time out, everything seems to be okay. And with engine 26 now back in service, we head back to the firehouse to wait on what's next. It almost goes without saying, but going on runs and working as a first responder in Washington, D.C. is a very stressful environment. Lieutenant Kalb says in the city, you never know what you're going to run across once you leave the firehouse. We all see things out here on the street that affect us in different ways. You know, you hear about it all the time on the news, you know, with PTSD and, and different things. And obviously everybody's different. You know, it affects people differently, the things that you see out there. So there's really no one answer. Time on the job plays some role in that also. You know, somebody new to the job might, you know, be a little more excited or anxious or where after you, you've seen these things multiple times, you know, it's, it's easier to stay, you know, cool and calm. We're heading right back out on a busy afternoon at Engine 26. This time a medical call. An elderly woman, unresponsive, at a nursing facility in Northeast. You know, it strikes me that when you say that no day is the same, I mean, it can be no call is the same. The last time we go out, could be a fire. This time we know it's not but a medical emergency and we'll see what we find when we get there. Typically the officer up front, he has a, there's a computer up there and it'll, it'll update with additional information a lot of times. So he'll have an idea of what the response entails, whether it be anything from a medical to a service call to a fire alarm or a fire. For privacy reasons, most of the details I can't share with you here, but I can tell you that the woman in question was okay at the scene, needed further evaluation at the hospital just in case, and it was a quick trip in and out. But it does illustrate that whatever the emergency is, when someone in the district dials 911, DC's bravest will be there when called upon. It's a hard job. There's a lot of stress. The hours are long. The risks are many. And that's why here in DC or wherever you live, firefighters and first responders need our support. Amy Morrow is the executive director of the DC Fire and EMS Foundation. I'm really happy that you got to see that and and those were some pretty uh, typical calls so it's easy to be inspired even when it's not you know a dramatic fire or 
a life-threatening emergency just to see how the community relies on them and to see how they show up no matter what it is. It continues to inspire me and it's why I do this work. The physical toll, the emotional toll, and just having a chance to talk with everybody here and the firehouse, this is a hard job. I think everyone knows that. I mean, I think I had a general sense. I mean, everybody sees a fire truck going down the street or they see a medic unit going down the street, but you don't really stop and think until you you see this, that the hours, what they're exposed to, this is a very difficult job that they day in and day out do on behalf of this city that we live in. And I think the bottom line, given all that, is they just need extra support from the community, from the government. That's a real focus of the department, and I know it's a focus of the foundation. And part of why I wanted to create or revive the foundation was so there would be that extra support out there. You know, government is not the most nimble or flexible response to everything that they need. They've got pay and benefits, they've got wellness programs within the agency, but I think the foundation can first help educate the community what they do every day, so you're seeing that firsthand, but also we can make sure that the resources are there when they need something extra. And so that's part of why we're raising money is so that the foundation can help with that. It should be noted that this week, former Capitol Garnet Hathaway, with funds raised during his time with the team, donated more than $20,000 to the D.C. Fire EMS Foundation. As you may recall from Garnet's time here, he believed deeply in supporting first responders. We're in the early stages on the radio side to support them as well, and we hope that you will too. For more, check out the Foundation's website at dcfireemsfoundation.org. That's dcfireemsfoundation.org. And again, my thanks to Amy Morrow for facilitating my visit to Engine 26. Capitals will be in Detroit tomorrow. In addition to hearing the game on Caps Radio 24-7, the broadcast locally also on the Team 980 in D.C., 7 o'clock puck drop tomorrow. And our first week of the new year is in the books here on Caps this morning. We'll be back here on Monday. Three straight road games now for the Caps. Detroit tomorrow, Boston and Columbus next week. We'll have Hershey Bears head coach Todd Nelson on with us next week as well. I hope you have a great weekend. And as always... We appreciate you listening to Caps This Morning. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Caps! Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com. Or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.